Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, everyone, to Rock M Nation podcast. Uh, this is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. It's season six, episode 19. 19 episodes into season six and we are here to talk all about your missouri tigers and their basketball program things are looking good i am your host sam snelling with me from the plains of indiana matthew j harris matt how are you i'm great uh my optimism paid off last weekend sam i don't know if i'm a changed guy but um it felt nice to, you know, take a risk, put myself out there and say that I felt good about a matchup and have Missouri redeem me for that. So just a rare sense of optimism continues this week. But how are you? Uh, Well, a little under the weather, um, but otherwise doing doing OK. Uh, still, uh, <laughs> I think I'm still jet lag, like what, like a week and a half, two weeks later. Um, but but we're getting there. Um, the basketball side of things, I, I have to say it was, uh, so we recorded after, um, after the Ole Miss game. Uh, so it's been a short, brief period. There's only been one game since, but it was a big game. Uh, and, and getting to see, uh, Mizzou sort of take down another top 25 level opponent on their home court, uh, you know, playing really well doing it. Uh, there was some sort of um, sort of reminiscent maybe of like the Kentucky game where, you know, they just sort of, you know, got out ahead and, and were able to kind of, you know, keep the other team at distance. 
Um, were never really threatened in most of the second half. Um, it was good. It was good. It was good to watch that, and you could sort of see how excited the fan base was because of it. Uh, prior to the game, you were feeling optimistic. Uh, I think everybody is is always shocked, Matt, when that happens. Um, but with good reason. Like when you when you kind of pick apart Iowa State and who they are, like there were reasons to think that Missouri, you know, could win the game. I don't think very many people thought they would win it kind of going away. But hitting 11 of your first 16 three-point attempts is a, is a good way to kind of get some separation. Yeah, it, for the first eight or nine minutes, it felt like the game we expected to see, which was you're going to have two teams that, you know, want to force turnovers and, you know, kind of want to play in transition, but go about it, you know, with two different, you know, paces, you know, two different tempos, sort of wrestling over how the game was going to get played. You know, Missouri managed to get out and sort of really attack early. I think they got like eight or nine possessions in the first four minutes. They were really able to dictate early. Uh, Iowa State wrestles it back, and, you know, that entire first half, ultimately, it felt like Iowa State, you know, got the tempo, you know, got the possession count where they wanted. But I I looked at it on Sunday, and Missouri had 16 transition chances in the first half, if you count, you know, early clock and live ball turnovers together. So it felt like kind of a period victory for Iowa State, like they got 32 possessions in the first half, but how those possessions played out really, really worked in Missouri's favor. I thought, you know, Dennis Gates and and the staff really kind of evolved with the flow pretty well. You know, they tried to do some of their base offense stuff and where they just kind of get into, you know, some five out stuff or some pinch stuff and the no middle. uh, Iowa State executed that really, really well. And then Missouri just sort of made some tweaking to how it got into its sets and, Started to really get some traction, I thought, over the last four or five minutes of the first half, and it carried over. And once they started hitting shots in the second half, it just kind of opened up. And I really, really was surprised that Iowa State didn't at least have, you know mount some sort of little push to get back in it. I, I don't know if it was because they were short on depth or just because the shooting wasn't going the way they needed it to, but I was really surprised not to see them carve into the lead a little bit. But Missouri's not going to argue with that, and you know I don't think any of us will argue with you know, the margin being a little wider and helping predictive metrics. So all in all, it, it was the result that, you know, it was probably the best version of the result everybody wanted. Statistically, uh, Kobe Brown was, um, was terrific. He's sort of continuing on, uh, you know, making his best case to, you know, be a guy that uh, maybe like a first team all SEC level player by the end of the year. Um realistically so he made this what second team last year and he was yeah i think he's i think he's tracking toward that again yeah so you know but he was a guy who i think um you know we had kind of mentioned that he had some noticeable struggles against higher level competition uh you know coming out and and doing what he's been able to do um you know against kentucky and illinois specifically uh but then even more recently with the the game against Iowa State, uh, you're seeing that, you know, and granted a lot of this is, is matchups and I mean, everybody maybe struggles, uh, against Arkansas's defense and, and some of the, the, the junky stuff that, that Mus is, is good at doing, uh, to make sure that, that you're going to struggle offensively. Um, but, but Kobe at least looks like he's able to, to 
I, I guess, slash into, uh, you know, any of that criticism that, you know, maybe he's not the, the high level guy. He, cer- he certainly looked like it against Iowa State. And... I think part of it, too, has to do with the supporting cast around him. You know, somebody, I think when somebody on Twitter asked, you know, what's, you know, they were watching to see what he was doing differently. And to me, the big difference is it's something we've talked about. He's making shots this year. You know, the jumper, you know, has found, you know, a degree of stability. But I look at the broad contours of Kobe's game, and it's all still pretty much there. I think the difference is he's got a roster around him that can keep the floor spaced a little bit and give him more breathing room. And, you know, there's a tax now if defenses, you know, want to roll two or three guys at him. You know, he's smart enough and always been smart enough to find the right guy. But now Missouri has guys who can make plays when the ball moves to them, and I think that just – changes the balance of things. So I look at Kobe's game and the shots better, but I think the overall nature of it is pretty much the same, but he's just able to have more room. There's less pressure rolling his way defensively. And, you know, I think to some degree that's, that's a positive there. You know, I think if he had been in this position a couple of years ago, you know, when they made the NCAA tournament and maybe he was the second or third option on that team, we would have seen something close to this, but Missouri had, other options in front of him. So that's not to take away from what he's doing, but I think you have to give credit to the roster construction and the system around him that that's really eased, you know, some of the pressure that he felt last year at times. So I think that definitely shows up in games like Illinois or Kentucky, where there's other guys making plays at times to really sort of, you know, keep that pressure off him. So that's a credit to, you know, to other guys as much as Kobe for, for making the right balance and right mix come together. And I'd also say that, like, you know, the the added advantage of of having, you know, Isaiah Mosley back and and sort of playing full time and I think looking like the guy that we thought we were going to see. And I don't think necessarily think he's a guy that you need necessarily like, you know, 20, 25 points from. But his ability to kind of create his own shot was something that the roster didn't have, uh, because as I've, I've said this I can't even count the number of times uh, I've said it on study hall or, or Twitter or whatever, but um, as good as Des Moines Hodge is, he's not a guy that, that is really going to create his no. own shot. He's, he's a shot taker. He's a guy who's going to really he's a finisher. Yeah. Like he's, he's going to, you know, get catch and shoot and he's going to, uh, you know, run the break and he's going to attack the rim, all that kind of stuff. But he's, he's not even a guy who's going to be like attacking the rim uh off of closeouts like he really doesn't really do that he he's looking to to move the ball if if there's a if there's a closeout um yeah so having having a guy like Mosley who is able to sort of you know create his own offense and and create offense you know through the dribble and and through it uh, you know attacking defenders whether that's passing or shooting uh I think just gives this offense the dimension uh, that it's kind of needed um, and it sort of going back to what you're saying about Kobe, like it really helps Kobe Bryant, uh, Kobe Brown, because Kobe uh, was really the only guy who could do that before that. Um, You know, Sean East, maybe a little bit, but he's more of like a create for others type of guy. Um, But having a guy who can operate in that kind of, you know, mid post area, uh, you know, and, and and force guys to sort of make decisions when they're they're gonna you know how hard they're gonna close out on him because he's so strong. 
Uh, and then being able to move it to a guy like Mosley, who can uh, who can do a lot as well, I think is just given Missouri uh, and their offense another dimension that they didn't have before. Yeah, and you know even Nick Honor, you can you know you can kick to Nick and he can space out a little bit. So they, I think the biggest difference is if you watch them in their base five out, you know Missouri had what I would say was proper spacing last year. Like the guys were in the right spots last year, but you know you knew the scouting report was okay if there's there's a two side here but the two guys on that side of the floor trying to keep that double gap open are terrible jump shooters and one can't really drive efficiently against contact you you're going to sag in you're going to sag it's going to clog the gap and you know if you're kobe and you're trying to you know find that room at the pinch post or in the mid post it's hard you're starting from basically the defense pre-rotating on you. And it doesn't really matter, you know, how strong you are or, you know, whether or not you've got a good initial move or a good counter move. You, you're just, you don't have the most important space with commodity, which is space. And so I think that they've been able to give him that and he's been able to exercise it pretty well. And the jump shot, you know, as we saw in the last couple of games, has been really, really important for him because now you can't, you have to close out to him and, that creates different problems. If it's a smaller guy, he can kind of bully drive him or crab dribble into a post up. If it's a big, he can just go around him. In the past, those guys would just sag into a gap and then you're having to drive into clogged traffic again. So it's one of those things where I think the collective approach really, really makes a difference. And hopefully, you know, as the season goes on, you know, they can keep this optimal balance of what, of what things have looked like. Maybe it won't be as gaudy and shooting numbers as it has been recently but if they can get back into that 36 to 37 percent range i think it's going to let kobe sustain what we've seen in the past couple of games i mean if if uh demoy hodge wants to continue to shoot 50 percent or better from three-point range i'm not going to argue with him it's certainly better than the what was it uh two uh four for 25 that he was over the previous four games yeah yeah which was weird because he's normally been a pretty steady guy on volume like there might be stretches where he'd get into the low 30s but i think that's probably one of the worst right the worst stretch he's had in in his college career there short-lived relative to what other guys have some guys go whole seasons where they don't shoot it well he had four games where we were wondering what had happened but they they started to look like themselves again last week and the iowa state win has the added benefit now of giving them another quad one win on the resume. And, you know, as our compatriot Matt Watkins pointed out today, you know, with his seed line, it really, you know, gets Missouri back to, I think, what is pretty solid footing. I wouldn't say they're a lock, but I think if you were to, like, do the old ESPN sort of tiers, they're in the should-be-in category right now. And that's a good place to be in late February. So good performance. Guys are looking like they're coming back into form and, as you get ready to go into the final 10 games, your resume is in decent enough shape where you can have a little bit of ease in terms of the pressure you feel, where if you drop a game or you stub your toe one night, it's not going to kill you. So they're in about as optimal positions you could hope as the calendar gets ready to turn into the home stretch. Yeah. I think in order for you to be a lock, you could, you have to be able to lose the rest of your games and still get in. Um, yeah. And they are not there. They're, they're not there. There's, we said, what, 10 games left? Yeah. Um, so 
that would put them at 16 and 15. <laughs> um, I don't think you're getting in at 16 and 15 and being, you know, what, like four and 14 in league play. Um, but what it does do is all you have to do really the rest of the way is just win the games you're supposed to win. Like, don't don't do anything stupid. If you don't do anything stupid, uh, you should be okay. Um, and that includes uh, this upcoming week. It includes uh, next Tuesday against South Carolina. Um, I don't think anybody expects, like right now, Tennessee's number one in Kempom. Um, I don't think anybody expects you to go on the road and beat Tennessee in Knoxville. Um, I'm optimistic it's going to happen, Matt. I don't know about you. Um, but, you know, Auburn certainly looks a little more beatable. Texas A&M, I yeah. think, it keeps getting better. We still have Mississippi State twice, but one of those is at home. Uh, Georgia on the road has, has shown that they're, um, they're, you know, they're, they're beatable. Uh, LSU, uh, again, um, home and away. That's really a team that you should probably beat twice. Yeah, they've, they've, they've uh, and then, slid into that category. Yeah, and then and then Ole Miss. So you know, I I think if you just go based upon, um, you know, like the projected record of Mizzou finishing twenty two and nine and ten and eight, I think they probably get in. Uh, I think it would help them, uh, if they would maybe shore that up, maybe get to eleven. Um, I think if they if and you and I were kind of talking about making fun a little bit of like Jerry Palm's uh, five seed, which is that guy is terrible. It's frankly absurd. <laughs> um, Mizzou right now we're is homers. We are supposed to be homers. Yeah, and yeah. We think that's terrible. Uh, like I, I could, I could listen to arguments for like a seven. Um, I'll, I'll entertain those. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I would, I would listen to that. Um, but five now get out of here. Uh, in order for them to reach that level, they would very much nearly need to win out. I think they could probably drop the game at Tennessee, but you yeah, probably to need to beat else. Auburn. You probably need to beat a sweet Mississippi State. And like going on the road and winning in Starkville is no easy thing, as, as TCU found out. Yeah. It, when I When you run kind of the consensus view of the predictive models right now, they have the trip to Starkville is a toss up lean slightly toward Mississippi state. I think it's like the average margins 1.3 or 1.5. But if you're the home team, that's, that's not the number you want to see. It's, it's within, it's less than a possession and Mississippi state got a win over TC this week, but they were missing a starting center. Mike miles went down early with a knee injury. I think someone else was absent for TCU. So it was a banged up TCU team. Yeah, and they needed one of their, one of their wings. Um, was yeah. what, ended up coming back to the game, but but was out for a significant period. Yeah, so they they were a little bit hampered on the road there. TC Mississippi State is a team that very very much for even long stretches of that game, even against a hampered squad, an undermanned TCU squad, looked like they were struggling to score. And you wrote it in the preseason the you could look at the counting stats and think, okay, this backcourt is pretty good. And you could look at some recruiting rankings and think, oh, this is pretty good. They still don't have shooting. They still don't have efficient scoring. They're going to rely on clamping down on you defensively. And they're going to just hope that they can basically sit and kick their way to a win. They've, 
you know, that formula has not panned out very well. They're one and seven in SEC play. <laughs> so, you know, we said this at times, you know, we, even when Conzo Martin was here and we admired, you know, Conzo's ability and his staff's ability to nail scout and to get their guys ready. But at a certain point, you got to score the basketball. You have to, you can't live on trying to keep the team from reaching 65 points every night. It's, it's probably not going to happen most of the time, just with the nature of pace and tempo and how offenses play. And even when Missouri has really struggled offensively, they've never been, I think, lower than like 0.85 points per possession. And that was mostly because they shot the ball really poorly. Missouri's been a pretty consistent rim-finishing team all year against big, long, and athletic teams, which Mississippi State is. So you look at just how you know State is set up, and you think to yourself, okay, like I know what Mississippi State's going to try and do here. I mean, but you know they they're allowing forty five point two percent two point shooting, which is really really good. You know that's a good defensive number. But Missouri's consistently around fifty percent, and three point shooting volume. You know I tend to think, you know the ability for them to be on there on the catch is going to be important. But we'll see. I still just think that this Missouri team's got an ability. Know to make things happen, and you know, the reality is here. If you look at when they've lost games in conference play, you know they lost giving up fifty-eight points to Georgia. They lost giving up, you know, sixty-nine points to Auburn, seventy to Tennessee. Missouri's not a great defensive team by any stretch, but you know, can Mississippi State score enough? And I'm just skeptical that that can happen. The upshot of this one is it's still a good enough game for Missouri, too, that it counts as a quad one win. So for me, more than the Iowa State game, this is the one I had circled. It was because I thought this was the more gettable opportunity. Now, if you get it, it really starts to make your path you know, into March a lot, lot easier, a lot less complicated. Yeah, and this is, you know, it, it feels like Mississippi State is a team that Missouri has sort of faced before because, you know, like a, they're a strong offensive rebounding team. They don't particularly shoot the ball well. Uh, if you can find a way to kind of keep them off the glass and, and at least make them take jump shots and not layups, and uh, then certainly you can make them an inefficient team. Um, they're 355th in three-point shooting. Uh and they're only 244th in two-point field goal shooting. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, you gotta make like, shots. <laughs> like, like I, and outside of like, you know, Tolu, who, I mean, we've, we've we talked adore. about Tolu. We, yeah. Like, he's a terrific player. Terrific player. I was 30% I, usage for him. 
I was sad. Percent usage. Matt, I was sad that he came back because I'm <laughs> tired, tired of of him like you know kicking the butts of of anybody on the interior for Missouri. Um, but yeah, but even even he's like, I mean, he's at fifty seven percent, and that's like, I mean, that's not bad, but it's not it's not elite right. for a yeah. Bit. Um, yeah, this is this is a game that is very gettable. If if Missouri shoots the ball from outside reasonably well, it's a game they should win. Yeah, but but you know, like going on the road, winning on the road. When when you know when you're not an elite team and Missouri is not elite, they're good. They're not elite. Uh, winning on the road is 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 tough, and they're they're gonna have to find a way. They do have on Wednesday, so we're recording this uh, back on our regular schedule on Monday night, January thirtieth. Um, Wednesday, February first, they do play LSU. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to talk about LSU right now. Like it's, yeah, they're 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 sinking a little bit, like like a little. Uh, I feel like a little they, bit. <laughs> they yeah, lost they, eight in a row. They uh, they were a little more competitive against Texas Tech, who has also uh, been struggling lately. Um, in LSU's defense, they did kind of go through a really really rough stretch: uh, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas. That is, uh, and Arkansas twice. That's a that's a pretty they got brutal no stretch. Yeah, they got no favors from the scheduling gods. Um, things do soften up for them. Uh, after Missouri, they do have to play Alabama. They get but Alabama. Then, but then they get... I don't think uh, they soften up for the next four games. Yeah. They, it's 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 going to be... It's going to be interesting, particularly because they're going uh, you know, to Mizzou Arena and having to face Missouri in Missouri, which we've seen uh, can be a difficult thing for other teams. Uh, you know, the, the, the crowd gets behind the Tigers, and, and, and we've seen Missouri now blow up really good teams, and LSU is not a really good team. Um, they're not a particularly good defensive team. They're not a very good offensive team. Um, you know, so it, it is going to be interesting to sort of see what happens because it's always interesting to see like how games sort of turn out. But if, if Missouri doesn't win that game, like that's that's a that's a big like asterisk game. Like you can't really lose that game. No, that that that's quad three right now. And on the road it might it won't wind up in quad four. But it's a game that you the committee's gonna kind of further brow if they look at you losing this game at home. That's that's sort of the upshot of Missouri's resume is they haven't taken a bad loss. I don't think they have a lot of good quad three wins, which can help like your your resume, which can help your SOS. But Missouri did what it needed to do against quad four teams, and it absolutely strafed people. The problem is they, you know, don't have anything in the quad three sector, and so you really don't want LSU sitting there as a home loss, you know, especially if it's a wide margin. So this is just one of those. Just don't do anything stupid. You don't need to win by 30, but a comfortable 10 or 12 point win at home, you know, would just be fine. Would yeah. absolutely suffice. Just do what a competent NCAA tournament team does. Get a home win, get out of, you know, and then turn your attention to Saturday. Because that to me, if you can get a sweep this week, it really, really means that you'd need something disastrous like a loss 
to South Carolina to really, really, really put a dent in the resume at this point. You know, that's you're in damage mitigation mode for the next week and a half, really. Just don't do anything stupid. You know, the committee's going to be okay if you go to Auburn or Tennessee. You'd like to see wins if you're a Missouri fan, but if you take losses in those games, the committee's not going to, you know, wrap your knuckles for it. They're going to go, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But just don't do anything stupid for the next, you know, week or so and get three wins on the resume and just really start focusing on kind of a softer end of the schedule in February, which the committee, I mean, which the Birmingham folks, the SC office, did do a good job, you know, if you're a Missouri fan, of giving them sort of a nice exit run out of the season there to get some momentum, maybe get some wins going into Nashville. But, you know, there's still about a week left where, you know, things can get hairy if you don't take care of your business. Yeah, the uh, the Ken Palm prediction uh, metrics there are a 10-point win at home, 84% chance to win uh, against LSU. Um, on the road, they are projected three-point loss to Mississippi State. Uh, the Bulldogs bumped themselves up to 53rd in Kempom after their win. They were kind of they were kind of sinking the layer a little bit, but uh, nothing too drastic. And I think a lot of that was because like the defense remained pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, and when you when you are that good defensively, and you're able to kind of keep teams and keep the pace down, and um, I could see since conference started, they've only had um there's blowout mitigation there yeah blowout there's out insurance well there's yeah it's, and only two games where the, the the pace got into the 70s everything else has been in the 60s they really want to play in kind of that you know low to mid 60s um you know so it, it i would pre- prepare for a bit of a slower game um and hopefully yeah mizzou can just make a few extra threes did you make your threes matt that's all basketball is now. Did you space <laughs> the floor out and make and make jumpers at this point? It's it really does sometimes become a kiss method there, but they're they're close. They're really really close, and I I think there's you know a palpable sense of both tension and optimism right now among fans. That there's there's some that I hear from that are convinced this thing's going to go sideways, and others who. Just think it's blasphemous that we don't say that Missouri should be a top 25 team and they're a lock. It's, but you know, they're in a better position than I thought they would be. I looked at it over the weekend and, you know, I compared my preseason predictions. I go game by game like you do. And I have Missouri at 13 and 8 and 3 and 5 right now. And they're, you know, they've won three more games, you know, flip three results realistically. You know, I had them losing to Illinois in Kentucky and had them beating Arkansas, um, had them beating Alabama. I didn't know Alabama. I didn't think Alabama was going to be this good. I thought they were going to be a gettable home game. And then I had them losing at Ole Miss because I thought Ole Miss was going to be a, a, not as bad as they've been. So I think I'm, I'm, I was off on five results in 21 games so far, but they're, they're ahead. They're doing what we said all the way back in the preseason where if you were going to make the tournament, you had to flip three or four of these games and they've done just that. So I don't think you can be anything but, you know, heartened by what's happened so far. They are ahead of where I thought they'd be in year one. And if they can do what they need to do this week, I think they're going to be tracking towards probably the 
the best outcome anyone could have hoped for, uh, you know, as you try and reboot this thing. Yeah, I think the uh, you you and I had a kind of a similar take on Alabama in that, uh, like, would they guard? And until you see Alabama consistently defend, it's it's hard to say that they're going to be an elite team because, uh, you know, the offense is going to be elite, but you know, since Nate Oates has been there, you know, the defense has not often every, been very good. Uh, it's an every other year thing for them. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um. And so, yeah, their 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 defense is actually tracking to be better than their offense this year, uh, in adjusted efficiency margin. Um, so that's definitely uh, that's definitely something that's that's helped them out and sort of helped them, um, I guess, work their way up the charts and be better than we expected. But yeah, I, yeah, I just think like the the rest of the uh, the rest of the SEC is is pretty much kind of played out in a. I mean, I guess maybe Kentucky not quite being as good as we thought they were going to be. LSU um, hitting the skids was a little bit of a of a shock. We knew the schedule was going to be tough, but we thought they might be more like three and five or four and four right now than one and seven. Yeah, we kind of thought like some because you know like uh, they had similar things to Missouri with like the continuity. Uh, you know, Matt McMahon is uh, McMahon. I, what, why, do I, why do I always say McMahon? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just I'm I'm on I'm medicated right now, so we're <laughs> we're I'm trying to be uncongested. Um, but yeah, so like I think the uh, the expectation was that he was going to be able to bring some of his guys from Murray and be able to blend those guys in a little bit better, and it just it hasn't quite worked. Um, yeah, Justice Hill left, so. That was, that was, uh, that, that's sort of been emblematic. There's, he has stepped away and now KJ Williams has been really, really good, but the rest of that roster hasn't quite hit the way you thought it would. And, you know, even honestly, Florida, I think a lot of people would look back and say, you know, Florida is a team that I think is a prime example of you know, kind of a flip of what Missouri is. You know, they're 12 and nine, but their predictive metrics are better than Missouri. They sit higher or at least equal or higher in a lot of analytic models because their non-con OSOS was miles ahead of where Missouri was. And so you look at their performance in those games, it's, you know, their efficiency margin against those teams naturally sort of boosts where they sit in analytic models. But you go look at their team sheet and their best win is a road win at Mississippi State. And so I think it's, you know, there's it's that time of year where, you know, you really start to get into team sheets and really start to look at how each of these teams has performed. And, you know, A&M is sort of its own entity in that it has a really, really tough closing stretch. But A&M banked a seven and one record out of the gate. If they can even pick up three or four quad one wins down the stretch and go 500, they're going to be in line for a top four finish and probably make the tournament. Whereas, you know, Florida is looking around going we need three or four quad one wins and after this you know next week or 10 days they may be hard to find for florida so if you're in missouri's position where you've sort of you know found the right balance defensively you know it's just hard to say anything other than it's been a sieve you know 181 in defensive efficiency there's no way you can spin that but you know you've been really really good offensively 
You've been able to get the quality wins you need. And you overcame what I would say is an 8 out of 10 in terms of a tough opening stretch. Not a bear like LSU faced, but still pretty tough. And you get to a back end of your closing stretch, you know, with a chance to maybe pick up six or seven more conference wins. That's the best position you can be in, you know, in a, in a year where, you know, the league has had a little bit more volatility and some variance because of new coaches. So I would have taken 16 or 17 wins to start the year. They're going to wind up in a little bit better position. So they're, they're ahead of where anyone I think could have reasonably expected them to be at this point. And that's a good thing. That's, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Making the tournament. Um, if like if really if I was thought like if any of the new coaches kind of came in and were able to kind of get their um their first year team to the tournament that there would be reasonable reason to kind of consider them for SEC coach of the year um I, at the way that this season has kind of played out uh if I think it's going to be Nate I think it's going to be Nate I man I think Rick Rick Barnes um it's Nate or Rick depending on think on who gets gets the title I yeah we'll, we'll we'll see who uh who ends up you know uh, on top of the end um i think i just think alabama's volatility is a little bit higher um you know maybe tennessee's inability to score is going to bite them again but uh but yeah like essentially like the most impressive you know coaching job of all like the the new uh coaches has been dennis gates at missouri i mean i think even uh, people could call us homers if you want, but I, I think we are pretty fair most of the time. Um, I don't think they're he... picked a, they were picked eleventh, and they may make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I just looking at uh, like South Carolina, I mean LSU, Mississippi State, uh, you know Georgia. Mike White's done a a good job there. Uh, Florida's been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, you know Missouri. Uh, they've been really good, and uh, and so I think right now you probably give the, the little bit of a an edge to Dennis Gates as far as new coaches go. Yeah, he'd be. I think he'll wind up third on if you could, if you went three on the ballot. I think Dennis will wind up third on a lot of ballots, you know, just behind the first two guys at the top. But we'll see if if they made a late push to get into the double buy or get into the top four, then I think you could see some people saying, you know, they went from 11th to fourth, you know, that, you know, even if, you know, we knew that Nate and you know, Rick had good rosters, but we're going to, it'd be kind of what they did with Kermit Davis in year one. at Ole miss where this guy rebounded back in year one, we're going to give it to him. So there's a scenario under which I think Dennis could get coach of the year in the sec. I think it's, going to depend like so much on what they do in the home stretch, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that he get his name into the mixer there. Well, I think that's all we got to talk about it. Look at us coming in at 36 minutes. Um, only having one game to kind of review, I think probably helps. Uh, but, uh, but Eli's, Eli's going to cry tears of joy. <laughs> yeah. Or, Eli's going to cry tears of joy. I should say. Yeah, I was going to drink for a minute there. Too, too much, oh. too much Mizzou on your brain. Um, too much Mizzou on the brain. <laughs> uh, so is. I'm not an idiot. Coming up this week, so uh, tomorrow we should have a, a 
a new episode of The Verdict for everybody to read, right? Am I wrong in that? Yeah, uh, I, I hope we do. I got 10 minutes of tape for Watkins on Sunday for him to stick in that piece. Hopefully he's using it. I don't know. But it, it posts tomorrow. Um, Give it a read. I, I, he's really done a nice job making that piece his own and squeezing me out of the matter aside from you know producing videos which i'm really great of i i don't it's long but i don't think you're going to find anything out there that really kind of walks you through what a scout looks like and you know what you know keys are and a sort of a look into our addled minds for how we watch basketball games <laughs> and what we look at but the one thing i tell watkins every week is i always come away from it you know feeling like i've peeled back another layer on this team. And so it's always fun to sort of put that out there and let people see that. And, you know, hopefully people enjoy that. And, you know, it's, it's worth the sort of time that you put into reading it, I think. And then uh, on Wednesday, we should uh, have a little piece from you on Mo Diara, where you're basically going to make the case that, that Diara has worked himself into the NBA draft lottery. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, uh, the one nice thing again about this roster is, and that's a nice turn from a year ago is we have, you know, there's not storylines that we have to beat to death by February. You know, this, you know, by this point last year, I think you and I were pretty much gearing up for, you know, Missouri having to, you know, go out and find a different coach and not to say the games didn't matter, but you know, there were more global things happening around the program. But this year it's been nice to to get in sort of back into the groove of writing kind of stuff about how guys are developing, how they're using uh, the different pieces they have. And Mo's one of them. I, you know, he's had a really, really sort of nice emergence over the last five or six games. I won't say that he's had a full-on breakout. He's playing, you know, 30% of minutes each night. But you can start to see kind of the reasons why they brought him in and what he's trying to put together and sort of what his role is. So that's going to be necessary down the stretch. I think as they get into March, having a guy like him on the roster is going to matter. So uh, I'm going to take some time on Wednesday and kind of go through the numbers in the film and sort of show folks what they've, uh, what they've got on their hands. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's been playing more. He's been impacting things a little bit more. Uh, he's been fouling a lot. Um, so many fouls, But the thing, like, this is the thing, and I couldn't get into this in the piece, so I will do this as, like, an added bonus. Like, most of the fouls he picks up are either, one, he's a little bit late rotating over and playing vertically, or my guy just kamikazes in the lane for offensive rebounds. I think the, there was a stretch against, like, Florida and Ole Miss where he was picking up two or three loose ball calls. And it's not like a subtle shove. It's just Mo sailing into the frame and like <laughs> knocking somebody else out of the way. It was very much like, <laughs> I'm not just going to commit a foul. I'm going to make sure every single person in the building sees me go after this guy. It's, But the nice thing is now, and this is, again, progress, you don't see him picking up this kind of cheap off-ball, loose-ball fouls on the offensive glass anymore. He's figured out how to fly by and kind of keep his body from careening into someone. So hmm. it's those types of things that, that I know our readers come to us for me noticing how guys are not committing fouls on offensive rebounds. Ah, progress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so so that's coming uh this week as well i think uh we've got a lot of good content coming this way uh you and i will uh we'll be back next week i think to talk uh all about um i'm looking forward to that that south carolina preview matt i know i know you're gonna go deep in on the on the gamecocks um but we'll get to review LSU, Mississippi State. Hopefully, the Tigers come out of that two and zero. I think two and zero really, really puts them in prime position, uh, and probably maybe even gives them a little seed line bump. Um, so, with all that said, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. If you did like this podcast, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed wherever you download and listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. We are also on Spotify. You can subscribe there and listen there. Uh, if you are subscribed, you'll also get episodes before the box score. We just had a great episode, uh, the revamp of the Dad Pod with, with Nate and, uh, and Josh. Uh, BK will uh, enjoying himself down in... Uh, down in Orlando, Florida, at, at Disney World, I think, and then, uh, but he's he, he's back. He's he's gonna do a podcast next week. Uh, make sure that you head over to the flagship rockamnation.com. Follow uh, follow Matt on Twitter at MattJHarris85. You can follow me at Sam T Snelling, and uh, and follow Matt Watkins at Data Mizzou. Tell him we said hey, we, we like that guy. Uh, so until all that, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.